Bhagawan Sri Satisai Baba, at the end of his divine discourses, usually sings the song Hari Bajanabina Shuka Shanti Nahi. Swami, in an interview granted to Professor Dr. Suresh in 1998, has said that this song is the essence of a street mark Bhagawat. Everything is in this song. Dr. Suresh examines the reason and with more than 150 quotes from various books on the teachings of Swami, he finally wrote the very inspiring and insightful book, Hari Bhajanabina, on which this webinar video is based on. With the grace of our beloved Lord, Bhagawan Sri Satisai Baba, I am extremely privileged to introduce to you glimpses of the celestial song Hari Bhajana Bina. In 1998, uh, in February, Chinese New Year, the Malaysian Satisai Council had the unique opportunity to stage the play called The Mountains. The story was about two people, one who had faith in Bhagawan Baba and the other who did not have faith in God. And we showed through the play the dramatic repercussions of the problems that have come cascading on these two individuals and their individual responses. The ultimate was to demonstrate that people who have faith in God will have self-confidence to master the problems. Therefore, the background music for that particular play, we used the music of Ari Bhajanabina. The play became a great success, but the music kept lingering in my mind. And as it, was, as it kept on going through and going through, I suddenly began to see that the lyrics had huge amounts of meaning, great amount of suggestions. I started to begin to write a few lines, commentary lines, if you like. 
But then I am not well versed in the Sanskrit or the Hindi and to take a, such a big task on how do you write a commentary of a song which Bhagwan Baba often sings in every bhajan, every, every song, every discourse. Swami always sings this song most of the time. And this is what that... Uh, made it even more perplexing. Why is it that Swami always uses this song? Is there a, a subtle hint that he is giving to us? Because no action of Bhagavan ever goes without leaving behind an indelible impression that there is something that he is always doing to awaken us from our slumber. And probably this song is one of the alarm clocks to wake us up. So I began to ponder more and more. Then came the inevitable experience in, on the 21st of October 1998 when my, 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 both my parents, my wife and myself had the unique opportunity to be in the interview room with Swami. It was such a beautiful grace and during that particular moment I asked Swami, I asked Bhagavan Swami, I'm beginning to write this book on Hari Bhajana Bina and Swami said, uh, Swami looked at me and said, you're writing a book. First, I didn't mention about the title of the play, the book. I just said, I'm writing a book. And Swami said, you're writing a book. Then I said, no, I'm writing a book on your song, Swami. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Swami, can I say Hari Bhajana Bina is the, is the, everything is in this song. And at that time, it was about 73 years of his, of his discourses. Can I say all your discourses are in this uh, song? Swami said, he looked at me and said, everything is in this song. After this song, there is nothing, Baba said like that. And that gave an incredible inspiration. And then I began to ask him the next question. If that is the case, then can I say that this is the Gita for the Kali Yuga? Baba said, you don't say like that. Say this is the essence of the Gita, which really is what it is. Because in that song, you have four yogas. In that song, depicts about the four yogas and the essence of the nine-point code of conduct is already in this particular song. So I returned back and with that inspiration began to write. And then I noticed that the accidental discovery of all the quotations that came so incidentally at the various points, I knew the eternal scriptwriter, the eternal writer is already using the pen that I'm holding to line all those beautiful suggestions that is encouraged, that is couched in this particular song. Therefore, Hari Bhajanabina began to come out. And all masters in this world have always used various methods to bring it. It could be discourses, it could be advice, it could be songs, it could be stories. But if the attempt of every master in this world is to somehow awaken us. Awaken us why? Because our mind is so conditioned by the world outside. It is so real, it is so real. People don't know that the illusion must be as real as what reality is all about. Which is the real reason why we pray to the Lord Ganapati. Because in the Hindu scriptures, in the Hindu shastras, they always invoke Ganapati before we invoke any other deity. And why is that? Because Ganapati is the presiding deity for discrimination. And why is discrimination needs to be awakened? Because only with discrimination can you really see what is real and what is unreal. And only when you know what is real, 
can the essence of life be understood? Can the meaning of life be understood? Can the interpretation of life be understood? Can the journey be more serious? Can the path become more, uh, more straight and more obvious? The clarity of vision becomes more real. But when a devotee is lacking this discrimination, he will get entrapped in the various illusory of the world. He will get trapped in the quicksands of life and therefore run to temples and run to mosques and churches and just become, a pra the prayer house will just become a place to beg for peace and happiness. Where in reality, religion and spirituality is to enable us to become masters of circumstances so that we can and blast away from all the shackles of limitations so that we can reach the peak of perfection as promised in all scriptures. So even Swami's own opening lines in many times in many of the discourses is that man is God. It is just I am God but I have realized that I am God and my job or my task is to make you realize of your divinity. That in itself tells us that man is God. Man has got all the potentials to become God. But then why is it that the realization is not coming? It is because we get caught in the illusion. We get caught in the identification and in in this process the mind becomes deluded to falsely give us a wrong sense of identification and thereby utilizing the mind we become weakened, we become enslaved, we become uh, entrapped by all the howling sense objects that continuously gives us a false identity. It is in this light that the song becomes so incredibly timely to wake us up from this and it is especially now if you look in the world now never has humanity lived so vulnerable as to Day. You can see the divorce rates in, a, in every country is rising up. Social ills are, climb, are escalating so high. You know when there are natural disasters, everybody suddenly responds immediately. Have you not seen funds arise? Funds keep coming and we start to see and everybody gets to be awakened and everyone wants to help. Help what? Help when we see houses breaking down, when we see bridges breaking down, when we see the country in shambles. Everybody's sympathy gets to be invoked. But let me tell you, dear brothers and sisters, that is because you see it physically. Do you know, as I even speak to you, how many hundreds and hundreds of, not houses, but homes are being broken down? How many divorces are taking place? How many children are crying for help because in their own homes there are no peace and happiness? World Health Organization is quickly to say that the next biggest disease that is going to grip humanity will be depression, even beating cancer. So why is it that man with endowed with all these potentials, living in such great luxury, is going to suffer from these great diseases that is gripping the mind? Almost echoing 1940 where Bhagavan, Bhagavan gave the antidote, the first antidote Swami gave, which is what? Manasa Bajore Guru Charanam it's a beautiful line to remind that the whole problem in this world, the melody of this world is only rising from the mind. When the mind is extroverted, when the mind has no capacity and the mind do not know how to do, Swami's direct instruction is bring it to the charanam of the teacher, bring it to the feet of the teacher. What does it mean? It means that the mind must somehow get arrested, be brought back to 
the feet of the teacher means brought back to the ideals in which the teacher is standing for. It is only the intellectual illumination that can give the mind a certain quietude, a certain restful nature. In 1940, Swami began his entire mission with this first song. Many years later, this particular song came by Hari Bhajanabina. So line by line, line by line, when it is, when you contemplate on the meaning, contemplate on the suggestion, these have got incredible points in which you can open the treasure house and inside the treasure chest, you will find many pebbles of diamonds that you can now use for our life. But when it is sang simply or when it is just read simply you will not able you will not be able to dive deeper into the injunctions of what it is laid therefore i took the trouble to read and slowly peel layers and layers of suggestions and couch everything else remove the suggestive meanings so that people who read the book or people who understand the song can now see with the greater clarity what Bhagavan Baba is trying to say and how what the song is essentially meaning so that people can wake up from the slumber, realize his potential and march on so that we can reach the peak of our perfection as promised, as promised by all scriptures in the world. Yeah. So the first quotation that was used in this book goes something like this. Man seeks joy in far places and peace in quiet spots. But the spirit of joy is in his heart. The heaven of peace is in himself. Now when you read scriptures, when you read scriptures, it is important to read it with two types of reading. One is to just read it at a superficial level. And that just gives you a plain understanding. But when you read it with a contemplative mind, it's another way of reading it. That's why in scriptures, all the secrets are there. And many times when you keep reading the book, you always will find that each time you read it, the same lines will start to give you different meaning at different points. And why is that? It's because when you read, you don't read with your mind. You read with your level of consciousness. At higher levels of consciousness, the same line will reflect differently. So which is why scripture books are never to be thrown. They're supposed to be read, kept, and then reread and reread and reread. When I asked once a master, how long do you take to finish the book, scripture books? He said that you should not finish the scripture books, but scripture books should finish you. <laughs> what does it mean? It means that the purpose of the book is to finish your entire ego, entire purpose and merge back to God. So each line should be read like that. So in the same way, if I read back the same line now, man seeks joy in far places and peace in quiet spots. But the spirit of joy, everyone goes for joy. 
See, everyone is wanting joy. Why did you go into that restaurant? To buy some food. Why is it that you want to buy, eat that food? Because when you eat it, you're happy. You feel satisfied. Why is it that you want to feel satisfied? Because every man is looking only for happiness. So that food gives him happiness. That experience gives him happiness. But Baba is saying, the spirit of joy is in his heart. This is the key. The spirit of joy, the joy, the essence of that joy is lies in the heart. The heaven of peace is in himself. What an incredible line, beautiful line. So in, in a stroke, he starts to tell us that one need not run too far. The entire spirit is in his heart, in my heart. Then why is it that I'm not finding? Because our troubled mind, our agitated mind, our restless mind is preventing us from coming within, exploring the essence, discovering the joy, discovering the spirit of the joy. Our purpose is really in real spirituality, in essence is to discover the spirit of the joy in the heart. The moment you have such a heart, wherever the spiritual man goes, he will always feel peaceful. Even in the most negative situation, even in the most agitated situation, he will feel peaceful and happy. So the opening line, uh, oh, oh, this incredible quotation was taken for that particular purpose. Swami continues that there is no sense in going after one thing after another. What you acquire today loses its charm next day and you begin to desire something new. There is no end to this process. There is no contentment. Lack of contentment is the true loss. We can lose people. We can lose our job. We can lose everything that we have. But Baba says, the loss of contentment is the true loss. This is the situation in which human beings are suffering now. People are earnestly trying to see, how can I get happiness in this world? Our job is to become happy. And then when we become happy, we transform. And our job is to transmit that happiness to everybody else. This is our role. Our role is to become happy, discover how to become happy, discover the spirit of joy. And then we go around infecting the spirit of joy in the people who need it. It is us who must now irrigate the lands of uh, people with happiness and joy. So this is what Swami is saying now. Lack of contentment is the true loss. Swami said, man spends his childhood in pranks and play, his boyhood in sports and games, his youth in pleasure and pastimes, his middle ages in plans and schemes to pile up fortune, and his old age in hospitals and nursing homes, trying to bolster up his failing health. He has no peace, no spare time for to sit quiet, for sitting quiet in one place. This really is the description that we have. If we examine from morning to night, and this is something that our people who are now listening to this particular session, just take a single moment. Because listening to the talk is not the objective. The objective is while listening to the talk, you must now start reflecting. Just go back in the last one week. Do you not think it's a cycle? You go to work, you have the whole day to at workplace. By the time you come back, you are so exhausted. Then you attend to the commitments and the obligations at home. And you're so, so when you, by the time you return back to your bed, you're just nice for that sleep, which will then wake you, wake you up in the following day. And then the whole cycle just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. One week passes by. You know, this is today is September, the 
month of September. It is just hardly we, 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 we celebrated the new year and very soon we'll be celebrating Christmas. And then the year passes and today 2015 has gone. Then next 26 and very soon years just pass by. You know something, we are just like the rat who is going in the wheel and just keeps on going, 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 going like that. And we keep on, the rat tries to get away but it, while he cycles, the whole wheel just keeps moving on and on and on. But by saying, if we just keep doing this, we have fallen into the trap of the illusion. The worldly illusion which makes you feel that this is real, this is real, this is real. At one particular point, it's going to, the dawning will come to us. When? When we are sick, when we are, when we are, or at least on our deathbed, suddenly we find uh, we have got desires, but uh, we don't have enough energy to fulfill them. There we lie in our bed. The mind is already too activated. It is not able to quieten. It is there the mental suffering will start. Because we do not know how to switch off the mind. We do not know how to go within. We will suffer a lot because of the inner frustration. We will suffer from the fact that we don't have a job to go to. We will suffer because our own children are far away from us uh, attending to their own needs. And you are just by your own self. You see, that is finally the ultimate end of everyone. It is here that we must now start thinking. That is why Baba said two things we must never forget. What is that? Death and God. God, God may be one, but death occurs to everybody. So at the point of our death, we must start now to think and contemplate. Hey, what is my life? How is my life passing by? Is this all a mirage? The realization that one will die and everything is temporary is the real, real uh, knowledge which is then converted to wisdom so that we can live in this world with that uh, uh, principle of transience if you like so that we know that everything is transparent and every, sorry, everything is transient and everything will just pass by that is the feeling that we must now have so dear, devotee, dear devotees, dear members, dear listeners those who are listening just think, just feel for a moment. One of the biggest incredible experiences that you can possibly have. Imagine yourself to be in the final state of your life, where you yourself are now in your own coffin. Death is a great motivating factor, because you know that is the phase where everything ends. When it, therefore, when we are moving towards that end, then immediately we will begin to remember what Swami said in uh, Prema Vahini. Baba said, that when you plant plantain trees, from the plantain, you can use the banana leaf to eat on the banana leaf. The same banana leaf can be used to wrap uh, things. You can use the bark of the banana tree to make bridges. You can use the banana tree as decorations, as hanging, for, especially for marriages. There are all incidental reasons why you plant a banana tree. But the real reason why you plant a banana tree is to get bananas. This is what Swami said. The real reason why you plant plantain is to get plantains. And this is what we have come for. So these kind of sessions are just for us to awaken ourselves so that we begin to see why we are here, what is our purpose. And these lines that Baba has mentioned are very important lines for us to simply pull back from everything that we do and stare at, us, at ourselves, look at our soul, look at our purpose. Why is it that we have come? What is the reason for our presence and what we should do? Baba said, the world today is like a school with no teacher. 
a temple with no idol, a garden with no plants, a wire with no current. People all over the world are trying to acquire power by amazing wealth, authority or knowledge. But along with this, the treacherous egoism is also being accumulated. Thus man is fast becoming the enemy of mankind and is fast losing humanity itself. He is becoming less and less of man and more and more of demon. And the real reason why man becomes demon is because the ego starts to grow bigger. Why is ego becoming bigger? Because ego is the one that confers you position, authority and so on. And people want these things in order to give them a false identity because they got caught in the illusory world. So the whole point is to cut it away, to destroy it. And you can't because the fact is without ego, we cannot even live in this world. The subsequent lines of the song teach us exactly how to eliminate it. But for now, we, Baba in the introducing of the first line is giving us hints and subtle reasons as to why peace and happiness is being lost. And this is a beautiful way of being, because as a doctor, you must know why the disease is being formed. Removing the, uh, the cancer or removing the particular disease is the secondary step. But first you must discover, first you must be diagnosed and first you must know that you have the sickness. When we know that we have the sickness, the second point is to remove it. So the first line are beautiful hints and suggestions through the contemplation of ourselves. We begin to see whether we have got the problem or we don't have the problem. And this is where we are at the diagnostic level to dem demonstrate that the moment you have agitation, the moment you have restlessness, then I have a problem. Because Baba said that there's one beautiful quotation somewhere which I've read, where tear glands are given to man only for the purposes of shedding tears of peace and bliss and happiness. The tear glands is not given to man to shed tears of repentance, tears of hatred, tears of fear. So, but we are using the tear glands in self wrongly. It's a great implication that man's only experience in your heart in your bosom should be to have happiness and peace. Everybody knows that, but how do you achieve it? That's what this whole song is about. How do you achieve it 24-7? How do you achieve it all the time? That is what this song is trying to give. And, and to know these lines, one must be slowly ready to receive that particular song in that particular mood so that it can knock on our doors to open the heart so that the heart, our heart can fuse with his heart to reverberate with the principle of living for peace and happiness. So dear listeners, the first line of the song is Hari Bhajana Bina Sukha Shanti Nahi First line, beautiful line. 
So if you translate that line, it means without singing the glory of God, one cannot get comfort and peace. So Sukha and Shanti is Sukha means comfort, Shanti means peace. So this is the two difference. This is the lines that have now demarcated what is comfort and what is peace. And Baba says, you cannot get these two without singing the glory of the God. So it's, when you look at it, it might be, you mean to say that if I keep on singing this Lord's song, if I keep on singing the glory of the Lord, I can get this too? See, every line must be analyzed. And you must be a scientist uh, in your scripture reading to take every word and analyze them, scrutinize them, challenge them. Scripture reading is for the purposes of, of exploring all the different dimensions of the word so that we can gravitate to the actual exact, I won't even use the word gravitate, elevate to the exact meaning of what Baba wants us to experience. So here now comes these two points, Sukha and Shanti, both I must get. And the uh, way to get it is to keep on attending bhajans and keep on singing the glory of the Lord. In the first instance, uh, when you say Sukha and Shanti, now this is the most amazing thing and that is why Swami is so uh, all-inclusive and so holistic. If you now, if you are listening to this uh, uh, webinar and, you are, uh, and, and at this point of time, if you just got a paper and a pencil and maybe I'll just give you 10 or 15 seconds. If you list down all the things that you really want in your life, Okay, if you just put a column and just list down, I want a beautiful marriage, I want a nice house, I want a good car, I want a, a, a what do you call a, a happy home. List, if you list everything down like that on a piece of paper, which I'm hoping that you are now doing, whatever you really want, you just put a piece of paper and just write down number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. Now you'll find and you put one, you draw a column there. And then you put these two words. Let's assuming now that you want a house. So the house falls under which category? Is it Sukha or Shanti? So house generally uh, gives you a lot of comfort, Sukha. And what happens in the house will give you the Shanti. You see, two together. Why you want, you like food? The food gives you a comfortable feeling. And that that little, little that would be that would be sukha. Why you like clothes? It gives you sukha. So there are a couple of things in life that falls under this category, and are quite a lot of other things that falls under shanti. In fact, whatever you want in this world will not fall out of these two categories. This is the spiritual master. Master uses two words that simply becomes incredible uh, categorization of human needs is into these two categories. So in a in nutshell, all what you need in this world falls into these two categories, Sukha and Shanti. And Baba gives a nice quote, he said somewhere in one speech, where Swami said, comfort is confused with Shanti. Comfort is taken to be the same as peace. Many people, when they say Sukha and Shanti, they will mix it up and say that comfort is Shanti, Shanti is Sukha. And Baba is saying that's a mistake. None of the rich or well-placed or prosperous or powerful have peace. 
Or you can investigate and find out the truth of this statement. Peace is not found in the passbook or a bungalow with many rooms or an iron safe. Your, your whole attitude is topsy-turvy. It's as, as, as absurd as putting the cart before the horse. The physical is subordinate to the spiritual. The mind is the horse and that is neglected, not groomed for the journey. So he's saying all these very strong, powerful, rich people, though they have sukha, they may not have shanti. So it's a two different categorization. So people must begin to understand that sometimes when you're running for certain things, you must ask, what are you running for? So supposing you have this job at this level of pay and you're running for a higher pay, you must quickly ask, why is it that you're wanting this higher pay? So sometimes we keep running and searching for something but you may not really get it in the thing that you think that you're running for. So many times people get deceived by that. I think the Ramayana story is a great example. When Rama was chasing after the deer and the deer kept chasing, going further and further into the forest and taking him away from Sita and finally realizing that the, Ram, or that the deer was a decoy and it was actually a, a planted plot for the final abduction of Sita. So, it's a very dramatic, uh, dramatic way of making people understand that the more and more you keep chasing, the more and more it gets further away and that gives, takes all your resources to go and keep on finding what you're running after. So here the teacher is clearly telling us that these two cannot be God. But the technique of bringing both together, this is what the whole point is, the scriptural line is indicating to us or the song is telling us in the first line to get both Baba is saying there's only one way Hari Bhajana Veena by singing the glory of the Lord. This is where it becomes extremely interesting to, to challenge that statement because this is what the teacher has said and, and challenging a statement is allowed in the scriptures like the Bhagavad Gita that Arjuna and Krishna kept on questioning, kept on asking and it's only by asking and challenging that you start to see. You mean to say if I go every week to the Sai Center and keep on singing the songs and keep on clapping my hands, I can get this both? This is what a normal student, especially today's youth may ask this question. Baba says, once you enter the depth of the sea, it's all calm, it's all peace. Agitation, noise, confusion are all in the outer layers. In the innermost recesses of the heart, there is a reservoir of shanti where you take refuge. So, Baba is saying, if you stay at the top of the ocean, you will experience noise, you will experience unhappiness. But when you start getting down to the bottom of the sea, that's when you start having peace of mind. Now, the teacher is telling us, that in order for you to get down to the deeper, he's saying, there is a reservoir of Shanti. Wow! Reservoir of Shanti. Huge amounts of Shanti. Where Swami is that? He's saying, it is there in the deepest part of your heart. Okay. So, this reservoir of Shanti is found. Yes. Where is it? In the deepest part of your heart. How do I get there? That is what the question must be. How do I get to the deeper parts of the heart? Swami explains, that method of getting there is only through the devotion. And therefore, this is where the bhajan comes in. Bhajan does not become effective through drums, violins and other accessories. They cover up the absence of the essential thing, feeling, emotion, yearning, sincerity, faith. Bhajan is one of the processes by which you can train the mind to expand into eternal values. 
teach the mind to revel in the glory and majesty of God. Clean it away from petty horizons of pleasure and passions. Bhajan induces in you a desire to experience the truth, to glimpse the beauty that is God, to taste the bliss that is the self. It encourages man to dive into himself and be genuinely his real self. It appears to be sometimes when we are continuously practicing the bhajans, many of us may have make it also a ritual, a ritual of just coming, singing the song, we're clapping the hands, we may enjoy, not realizing the full imports of that particular exercise. So when we actually sing the song and we literally clap our hands and really tune our frequency towards that vision of the object in which we are de pouring our devotion, there is something happening to the mind. You see, we are taken, plucked out from our daily chores, plucked out from your obligations, plucked out from the commitment, and you're forced to sit. It's like a mental spa, if you like it. So if you sit in the hall and, and, and participate fully, we, I always say, wearing white and white does not make a person spiritual. If that is the case, then wearing a, a t-shirt and, uh, and a track bottom must confer you a bulging biceps, bulging biceps uh, as, a, 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 as a result of the fact that you just wear the uniform. You know, it is because when you go to the gym and you really practice that, that the biceps and everything else develops. So it is not a passive participation in the bhajan hall that can bring about this transformation. It has to be a very active engagement involving the mind. So Baba, when he says that word bhajan, bhajan itself, bhaj, comes from the word bhaj, which means to say, to seek, to search, to find, to hook. So these are all connotations of the word bhajan. So in actually what happens is the bhajan when you sing is a kind of a process in which the mind gets sublimed, gets tamed, gets quietened and brought to a certain level of quietude. It's a training every week that Baba gives us free of charge really when we participate actively so that you're plucked out from your normal activities from outside, brought here and there is a process taking place. So when we are thinking of Krishna and we are singing Krishna, Krishna, the mind is now having a creative visualization process takes place. The mind is now creating in itself an image of Lord Krishna and your heart now is expanding so that your heart is now uh, uh, experiencing the fulfillment of the devotion and your uh, two hands are rhythmically clapping so the head is engaged, the heart is engaged, the hands are engaged. Systematically, there is a synchronization taking place between the three components of the human personality. When these three components are continuously engaged, there is an integration of the personality taking place at that one point of time. This mental spa it, during bhajan session gives you that synchronization of these three elements together. So what happens inside the bhajan hall as you keep on clapping, you are rhythmically keeping beat, you are keeping beat. What is happening now? There is an activation. Activation of what? Activation of your musical intelligence. Like there, there are seven intelligences in a human body, in your human system. When the musical intelligence is starting to hit, you'll find all other aspects of intelligence are beginning to become involved. 
hope because there is a synchronization of the system the heartbeat in your heart becomes very harmonious your thoughts are beginning to become regulated that's why when you get up from the bhajan hall or bhajan session you feel a sense of element of peace which is what is drawing you to keep on coming back to the same activity something is happening while we are continuously getting engaged in a bhajan activity so baba says this is the start don't worry about what is going to be the end as you keep on coming and coming and coming something is happening to our system which we ourselves sometimes don't know but obviously something is happening to our system there will be a refinement of thought there will be a refinement of our behavioral expression there will be a attitude change slowly developing you'll find that the restless mind slowly starts to quieten which is why bhajan coordinators and bhajan leaders one of the most important thing to keep on asking is that we keep on asking improve the singing improve the singing but one question we always forget to ask is that by coming to the bhajan hall and bhajan sessions and singing how is your life changed i think this is a question that we must start seriously asking for years you have been coming to this bhajan hall how has your life changed because the two parameters benchmark standards that baba has used are you getting more comfort are you getting to become comfortable uh, are you getting sukha and shanti together are you enjoying what you have are you experiencing inner equanimity if these two is not coming inside obviously your participation here may not be the way in which you are engaging so something must be altered here in order to get this two because this two are so intrinsic because the mind gives you the ability to experience both sukha and shanti how beautiful it's such a it's when you contemplate and see that whole line the opening line itself gives you the incredible uh, opening of your potentials because there's a huge change that must take place it must start somewhere is be swami is dragging us from everywhere else and beginning our journey with a basic step so that we can be able to go on for this journey for uh, eternal so that we experience peace and happiness how wonderful how incredible how marvelous and how grateful we should be that we are attracted to such a spiritual activity for the liberation of our soul So when we work in an office for a very long time uh, we must work according to what the uh, your boss wants supposing you just work in, in the office according to what you want and not according to the expectation of your boss you know some at the end of the day when you go for appraisal you may not get your promotion you may not get your reward though you have worked very hard so it's a question of you must ask your boss what is the vision and mission of the organization and how i should work and comply to the demand of the boss and demand of the organization this we do it at in for your corporate this we do it in your institutions but when we come to the spiritual 
we tend to think that we should do things according to what we want. And it's interesting, we don't pay the same element of respect or reverence as we pay to the corporate bosses. We don't do it to our master because we think that voluntarism or doing something spiritual, we just take it as if we can do anyhow we want. Baba is quick to come to, this, to such devotees and this is an amazing line because how do we know? How do we know we are progressing? How do we know we are spiritual? I mean, we can go for bhajans, we can attend this, we can go for seva, we can do so many things. But how do we know we are progressing in our spiritual field? It's a question that we must ask and we must ask very seriously. And the more serious we are, we'll find more and more uh, layers and layers of improvements that we need to do. And here comes a beautiful quote taken from Swami in this particular uh, flow uh, justifying why Swami said Hari justifying that first line Baba said I have my own definition of a devotee one who treats in the same manner pain and pleasure joy and sorrow honor and dishonor my God this is a breakthrough line if you really ask me so when you do more and more spiritual work and you participate fully Baba's definition of a devotee is that when pain and pleasure come, can you treat it the same way? Honor and dishonor come, can we treat it the same way? And when we do this, of course, it might be very utopian to see, even feel. What do you mean? When a loss comes, are you saying that I should not be sad? When a death comes, you think I should not cry? What kind of a definition is that? Oh, Baba, you can argue. But Baba is saying, and this is what is amazing. Of course, when a loss comes or when something happens or disappointment comes, you are allowed, we are allowed to experience that emotion. But the question is, you want to fall, we can fall. But the saying goes, don't fall like a brick, but fall like a ball so that you can bounce back higher. So this kind of inspirational quotations and constant reminder, unless it is put as a safety net, we will slip through and fall into the quicksands of depression and sadness. How do we keep our spirits high? Is to continuously have that faith. Oh Lord, I am living for your sake. I am living continuously for you. How can I continuously work for you? How can I be inspired by, your, by looking at you, by feeling for you? How can I do that? And whenever something's happened, then I have a balance in my life. Because why? You have told me that the definition of my devotee, a devotion should be at the end of the day, treat pain and pleasure the same way, treat honor and dishonor the same way, treat heat and cold the same So this kind of opposites, then you find you're slowly becoming peaceful. There's equanimity, there is peace, okay, no, equanimity. And then you ask this million dollar question, and this question you must ask, why Baba should I develop that peace? What is the necessity for us to develop that peace? Through this bhajan process, you are telling me that there will be equilibrium, there's equanimity, and I can feel this peace. Okay, why should I develop this peace? And here comes the master stroke in Baba's scripture, culled from one of the, from one of the talks which he gave, because Baba said, only in Shanti can you develop buddhi. Wow, what a line, what a line. Baba said, only in Shanti can you develop Buddhi. Actually, that's a very beautiful line because only when you are peaceful can you start thinking. Have you not seen all the various managers and leaders go away in the hill resort? 
away from work to discover and to write out the five-year mission plan. What are we going to do 10 years from now? It's done in the hilltops away from the uh, workplace. Why is that so? Because only in the hilltop, in the serene surrounding, away from the noise, can your mind be softened by, can your mind be subtle, so that the intellect peeps out like a lighthouse to see what is it that I am going to do in five years. Even to plan for a five-year mission if we need quietitude, for the intellect to discriminate what is real and what is not real, what is good and what is bad, to know what the real path is, to focus on the teacher, surely we need more peace and more quietitude. If not, we will again get caught in the illusion. And attending a bhajan will just become a routine exercise. In the illusory world, you have one more activity as a spiritual. And probably it will be there, but it necessarily need not get out from the cycle. But what Swami is saying, if we really engage in this manner and question each time as we keep on coming out from the bhajan hall, have I experienced peace? What is it that I have gained? How am I improving? In every moment assess this, your mind tends to become calmer. And it is in such mind that is calm, the intellect is born, Baba said. Only in Shanti can Buddhi be developed. What a Mahamandra. Why do I need peace? Only in Shanti can Buddhi be developed. So whenever there is agitation, restlessness, I will lose that opportunity to develop my intellect. So we want more and more peace, more and more intellect. In fact, actually this is true. Test it and see. All the Swamiji's who have become enlightened masters. What do they do? They go up in the mountain. And what do they do? They sit in quietitude. And what happens? They become, they experience the inner peace. In that inner peace, suddenly they discover their own higher illuminated intelligence, which suddenly is able to give them so much knowledge. And they come back, they seem to know so many things without even reading the books. Where did that get? Where did they, they, did they get that so much of knowledge from? Because only in Shanti can Buddhi be developed. So this is what the teacher is saying. And therefore, the first, the fire of, Swami continues, the fire of sorrow and joy burns when the fuel of vasana is fed into the furnace of the mind. Take away the fuel and the fire dies out. Take away the vasanas, the force of the impulses, promptings and urges ceases and you become your own master. This is done in yoga by various physiological and psychological exercises. But bhakti is the easier means for the hand. So, if this question was asked in some other yuga, maybe the process could be different. Oh, you sit for a long meditation. Oh, you do this. But since it is asked in Kali Yuga, how we can realize faster? The teacher is very quick to say that bhakti is the easier path. So, bhakti allows the heart to expand. And Swami is saying here, when the heart is expanding and feeling things for the higher, you find the inner vasanas gets burned up, inner desires get burned. Then when we start to experience that peace, you'll find that very slowly outer desires become lesser. In fact, when we ask questions, ladies who have come for bhajans, earlier they used to go for shopping for so long, but after they come, they find that the desire to shop for many of these things also gets lesser. You ask the men, those days they were like this, but after attending bhajans and keep on the spiritual practices, they seem to have lesser desire for... So it's a natural process that happens, that at the end of your spirituality, at the end of this so-called... Uh, 
bhajan practice, bhajan session attendance and many of the other spiritual practices, they seem to an improvement in this. So here finally Swami said, Shanti is essential for the sharpness of intellect which I just mentioned. Shanti develops all the beneficial characteristics of men. Even far-sightedness goes through Shanti. Through that obstacles and dangers can be anticipated and averted. What you can see tomorrow, what will have, what you can see one week's time becomes more clear if your mind becomes Shanti. So through bhajans, by attending continuously Hari, not only you get Sukha and Shanti, any anticipatory forces that is to rob the Shanti and Sukha, you can also anticipate when that is going to happen, by whom it is going to happen. So you find you start to create the defenses in the system so that your acquired Shanti and peace, Shanti and Shuka will not get destroyed. So, it, I mean, it is so complete in its prescription that this is the first part that we must com communicate. But Baba, yes, I understand you are saying this, but I have got my peace, I know I am experiencing, but after getting that peace, how can I prevent that peace and happiness from me from not going, going out? How can I now keep it for myself and share it with others for long periods of time. I get inspired when I listen to your talk. I go for bhajans, I get inspired. But how do I keep this inspiration continue for a long periods of time? Swami, that I'm having a difficulty. Baba says, for that, I will have to tell you the second antidote, second line which helps us to seal that uh, happiness and joy. And what is that? That will be explained next time. Hari bhajan bina shanti nahi